never done this before. We're going to try it today. None of our three teams in the city had a game or even a practice yesterday. So I thought, let's go with a little bit of a gimmick. And that is that I'm going to do all three daily shots, Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates, with the same theme, which is to identify that team's most underappreciated player. Applying that term literally. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is, in fact, Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I would highly encourage you, especially this morning, to check out the Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that are offered at the same place that you found this. My most underappreciated player, although he is not in any way, shape, or form underappreciated by me, is Marcus Pedersen. But I'm going to throw in with a very, very large asterisk that I happen to believe that this is the year he will finally come of age in this category. Not necessarily become a better hockey player, but he'll become more appreciated. First and foremost, my hope, provided that it actually looks like it could work in camp, is that he'll be the defenseman paired with Eric Carlson. He's had experience on a top pairing. He's worked alongside Chris Letang. I think Ryan Graves can fit really well with Letang, but I'd like to make double damn sure that Carlson's assimilation is everything that it can be. Having not only a fellow Swede, and I never downplay that element alongside him, Carlson also would have someone who is just a student of the Mike Sullivan system. Not only does Pedersen analyze his own game, his own uh, little details and things that he could have done better or things that he really struggled with. He's really honest about it, but he can do that with the team as a whole. He sees the whole ice, really, when it comes to this sort of thing. Perfect, perfect, perfect partner, again, in theory, to work alongside Carlson. If that happens and Carlson does nothing more than to be the same player that he was last year in San Jose. And I'm not making that sound like it wouldn't be an achievement unto itself because 101 points is, you know, pretty good, regardless of your position or the general standing of your team. If Carlson can be that guy and Pedersen can be out there providing not only uh, – Support, defensive support, making sure that he's back when Carlson joins the rush, but also keeping the other team honest by leading his own rushes or being the late guy on his own rushes from time to time, which as we saw this past season, Pedersen is not shy at all about doing. In fact, I feel like he's a much better player, much more to borrow the Sullyism on his toes. When he's engaged that way, it makes him a, a stronger, sturdier player all over the rink, including, by the way, at his own blue line, which used to be an issue for him and is no more. 
he can now stand people up as opposed to just being that tripod guy who tries to use his length to get in the way. He can flat out stand them up and push them back. But he's got to be involved all over the ice. I don't care about Marcus's stats, whether they're good or bad. And by that, I'm talking about counting stats, goals, assists, and so forth. I don't care about people's perception of him as it relates to physicality. Because what I know about Marcus is that for a guy who's as wiry as he is, and he is one of the thinnest professional athletes I have ever covered, which is hilarious, parenthetically, since P.O. Joseph might be the second guy on that list for me, also just incredibly thin. But Marcus will punish you, and Marcus will take it back, and he'll usually take it back a lot worse. You've probably noticed over the years that he's been here that opponents really don't like him, and more often than not, you're not going to see why because TV cameras aren't going to show you stuff away from the play, but he does stuff away from the play, and he will irritate people. He is, here comes another Sullyism, hard to play against. He really is. Now, why, at least as I see it, is Marcus not appreciated the way he should be in Pittsburgh? For one, for those of you who go way back with the Penguins, our city has not the most amicable relationships in general with defensemen who aren't throwing people through the glass. Darius Kasparitis needed one and a half shifts from the time that he came over from the Islanders to basically run for mayor here. Ulf Samuelson didn't even need that. Whereas, here again, I'm going way back now, when you get into the Ron Stackhouse era of Pittsburgh hockey, well, poor Stackhouse, he, he could have been uh, a legend in the modern NHL where all they value is mobility and putting up points and all that other stuff. And he got booed left and right because he never hit anybody. And that's the way defensemen were seen. Well, Pedersen does hit people. It just doesn't have that much of an effect. So he goes for something a little bit extra, a little bit devious, a little bit underhanded. And he makes them mad at him. He gets them off his game. And there's value in that just as there was when it was Casper or Ulfie pulling those kind of stunts. Not anywhere near enough appreciated in my book. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Shin Ma, and it's in regard to the news yesterday, official news that the Penguins are taking over AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. They're dropping the AT&T term, and it's just going to be them, at least for now. We'll see how things go with the Pirates. And the biggest question that came in general in this direction regarding that transaction is, how are they going to handle streaming rights? Because streaming is where everything is going. And within that, would fans now be able to just stream all 82 regular season Penguins games, regardless of where they live, regardless of blackout restrictions and so forth? To which 
Going back to Shin Ma, the question here is, can the Fenway Sports Group simply pay ESPN and TNT a licensing rider fee for what would have been an exclusive right to broadcast for the remainder of the ESPN and TNT contracts with the NHL? If anybody didn't get that, I don't blame you. I'm going to try to put that into simpler terms here. If you're this new network, if you're Sportsnet Pittsburgh, and the Penguins hold the rights to their own broadcasts, as I'm speaking to you, they only hold the rights to the games that they would broadcast on their network. And if you've seen the announcements that came out this week, ESPN and TNT will air a combined 15 regular season games involving the Penguins this coming winter. 15 out of 82. Those 15 games have already been sold and committed to those networks by the National Hockey League. I can't come close to fathoming any scenario in which either those networks or the league would say, you know what, go ahead and take those. We feel like the contracts we signed are still very valuable, even if you don't let us ever show Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, and all kinds of presumably great Metro matchups and so forth involving, you know, the New York markets. No chance. No chance. There is, to make this that much clearer, a 0.00% chance that you will see those 15 games come back to the Penguins. They don't have any rights to this. They can ask, like what you're saying, they could even pay. But if you're ESPN or TNT, whether it comes to cable or streaming or just the execution of the broadcasts themselves, there's a prestige element that comes to it by having Pittsburgh involved. And going to say this again, you've already paid for that and you want people to commit to your streaming service in general. I think I've mentioned to you before, I have the ESPN Plus streaming service and I use it, to be honest with you, as kind of background music late at night when I'm working on stuff, especially writing. I just put some West Coast games on, but if I have a choice between a crappy West Coast game and a good West Coast game, I'm going to put the good one on. If I have a choice between watching the Canucks or watching the Oilers, I'm going to watch the Oilers. So their overall value to their packages would decrease. Look, I I believe that when this is all done, you're not going to see much daylight between the arrangements that were had before and what's coming up now. I really, because there's just there's just not much that they can do. They can say when this stuff gets announced in detail, uh, we offer everything now as part of a streaming service. Well, I don't know how many people realize this, but the AT&T Sportsnet streaming feed has been a thing for a while. I have it. It's in my phone. It's how I've been watching Pirates games all summer. There's 
there's no magic to it. It already exists. It has its own little app and everything. So if they do that with the new thing, the only thing that might be different would be that you could pay a flat fee for that streaming service and avoid cable. Mine has to go through cable. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these on Monday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.